This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle, from Istanbul. And joining me is Paul Ghost. Hi Paul. Hello Ian. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Been up in the Turkish sun this morning. Had a and little stroll. Uh, all good. And also Dan Austin. Hi Dan. This is your first time on this particular iteration of the podcast, isn't it? It is, and also the first time in Istanbul, and I'm having a really good time so far. It's lovely. Well, I was going to ask you about that with you, Paul. Uh, Istanbul, I've, I've been here a few times. What have you made of it so far? We've been here about, what is it, 16 hours, something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I love Turkey generally, but it's the first time I've been to Istanbul, and it's, it's great. Um, it's a busy city, it's lively, it's uh, jam packed. Reminds you a little bit of London, um, but we're in mid August, and it's not too hot, is it? It's a, it's a nice little temperature, so. So far, so good. We've seen one or two Liverpool fans dotted about, haven't we? Uh, a few on our flight yesterday. Um, there'll be plenty more coming over today and, and tomorrow for the game. And uh, I'm expecting it to be, uh, to be a lively one because we know Liverpool fans travel in droves wherever they're playing. Um, and it'll be no different tomorrow when they play Chelsea. Might not be too hot for you. It's about 30 degrees. I'm absolutely <laughs> melting here. Uh, Dan, what have you made of it so far? I thought it was absolutely berserk that it took us 40 minutes to drive from Asia to Europe oh, yeah. yesterday See, in a you car. Can, you can tell you've not been here before. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so, so strange because the airport is, is not in Istanbul, is it? No. Um, it's like what the equivalent of Stansted, I guess, I'm calling that London. Um, so it was quite a journey that we had to take in the taxi, but just going across the, the Bosphorus was... was incredible um, to know that you can just cross continents like that so easily um, but I, I'm, I'm into it I've never been to Turkey at all never mind um, Istanbul and it seems to have the right mix of sort of nightlife we found good places last night to eat mm. and drink didn't we um, but also it's, it's really picturesque like you can see from, from where we're talking right now we're in a sort of rooftop bar where we're staying and um, we can see the Marmara Sea and it looks great um, so it feels like it's a quite, quite a mix of everything and I'm into it quite a lot of ships though quite a lot of what would you call them? It's a lot of boats. Yeah, there's, yeah there's, there's, there's lots of movement in and out. Well, actually, they don't seem to be moving at all, to be honest, but there's a lot of them, about 20 that we can see. Um, now, Paul, you mentioned then about seeing one or two Liverpool fans. There's, you, you can't really tell, if we're being honest, that there's a big game coming, really. There's been one or two signs of it dotted around, but Istanbul is that big that we haven't actually been around near the stadium area, have we? Which I would imagine there would be much greater concentration of interest. Yeah, I mean, the game's still some way out, isn't it, for, for normal fans? And it, it depends how much importance you place on the Super Cup. If you're not a fan of Chelsea or Liverpool, to some it's a glorified friendly in a similar vein to the Community Shield, isn't it? But uh, Liverpool are, are in it to win it. Um, it's not kind of like where they were in the Community Shield because uh, by virtue of finishing second, the Manchester City have ran away with every other title they're in there because they're the European champions. Um, the favourites against Chelsea, I uh, don't think too many people would dispute that. And um, I, I fully fancy the chances, to be honest. Um, after watching Chelsea the weekend, they weren't particularly great, really, against Manchester United. Liverpool started really well against uh, Norwich on Friday. And I think, um, probably since Roman Abramovich bought Chelsea, um, probably the, the biggest gap between the clubs where Liverpool are on the better end of it. Um, I think for years, Chelsea probably had the edge to near, um, even though Liverpool beat them with one or two European ties but I think the pull the streets ahead of them at the moment and I fully expect that to, to show through tomorrow night Bit of a different Chelsea as well Dan isn't it I mean they've got the transfer ban for the next couple of transfer windows which is which has played into perhaps not just the players that they've been selecting but also the manager that they chose to replace uh, I thought it was Sarri because it's Frank Lampard isn't it they've given him a chance and I think partly because they know that they can't get rid of him if things go wrong after about two or three months because he's not been able to bring anybody in like every other Chelsea manager has with all the money that Abramovich has had. 
I couldn't believe the state of that front three at Old Trafford the other day. <laughs> he did have a few injuries to be I fair. I watched the game in town. I know they did, but ju- just even sort of not accounting for the f- or, or even accounting for the fact rather that they can't spend money this summer. So much has gone wrong since they last won the league under Conte. For for that to be their squad, like what? Why? At any stage, were they buying Ross Barkley and Danny Drinkwater? And players like that. It's not what Chelsea did when they were successful. It's not a way to maintain yourself, and it now means that there are players like that. I mean, Moses is back there, isn't he? And hasn't left yet. There are players like that that might actually have to play a significant role over the but, course of their season. You could say Moses won the league with them in twenty. Was it seventeen? It was, wasn't it? He did. Twenty seventeen. Was Drinkwater there as well? Because they, they signed. No, from he, Leicester. did he sign at the end of last season? I think he signed. He, at the signed, end. he signed after Leicester won the league. Didn't he? Was he a January signing? I can't even remember. <laughs> Well, Chelsea signed that many players over the last 10 years you forget whatever they've, they've, they've tried to move Moses on they've had him out on loan they don't want him there anymore and now they're ending up with a load of lads playing who they, they patently over the last few years haven't thought it good enough I think like Mason Mount we're going to be a decent player and, and, and Tamori the centre after he has a Derby County as well looks alright but it's such a it's such a drop off from the squad that they would have had three four years ago and that's not purely down to the transfer ban that's the fact that in the market over the past three or four years they've been nigh on atrocious um, I was looking back at the one which is actually after they last won the league I think under Conte the players that he bought and it's something like Morata Bakayoko Zapacosta yeah. and one more I can't quite remember off the top of my head but he was also awful um, well, the guy was the director of football has gone hasn't he he went to Copa M&R yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he's just that's left Monaco that's, as well that's actually had a, that's had a big impact mm. I think um, so it, it, it's so strange I, I'm convinced that they're not even going to finish in the top six to be honest I, I, I look at the squads of Leicester and Wolves and go there's so many more players I would have from there and they've also got far more competent managers who've got a way of playing football that is succinct that is clear that their players know and I just think they'll be better teams over the course of the season I think that Chelsea might have a really sort of lean few years until they do whatever with Lampard because I think even if they finished 7th, 8th this season everyone would just go you know what we're writing this one off anyway because we haven't been able to do the transfers we'll just let you get that one out the way and see what you can do in your second year and then try and rearrange from there I think anything other than a Liverpool win on, on Wednesday night is is t- just too far a stretch for me to make sense of there's obviously loads that can happen in the game you know there can be a red card for Liverpool injuries whatever Chelsea can just turn up and all of the players individually have the best game of their lives but unless something really really odd happens Liverpool are a vastly, vastly superior team all over the pitch, on the bench, in the dugout to Chelsea now and I only think that a Liverpool win can come. Well, I don't want it to turn to the Chelsea podcast, ghost, but, <laughs> but, but given that, last season Chelsea finished third, they won the Europa League and got to the League Cup final. Does that mean that Sarri's a really good manager and they're going to miss him or Eden Hazard's a very good player and they're going to miss him or is it a bit of both? Both. No, definitely both. I thought um, Richard Sarri was so unfortunate to lose his job. Um, just never seemed to, to fit, did he, for whatever reason? Um, I always quite liked him. He seemed honest in his interviews and had a bit of a character about him, didn't he? Standing on the sidelines, smoking his bifters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think lo- losing the, the player of his and hard quality would affect any team, but I think bringing in Christian Pulisic as his replacement, you're banking on him coming in and being instantly well class. He's the forever link with Liverpool, Christian He, he is, yeah, yeah. But he's at Chelsea now and he's got a big task of filling those boots, and I'm not too sure how long it's going to take him. To get up to speed of the Premier League and he's still only young he hasn't played too many games and me and Dan were actually talking about this yesterday and, and we've come to the conclusion that if he was still at Dortmund he, he wouldn't even be getting in their team so possibly a, not even on the bench well, that's, why he, left, that's why he left and they let him go yeah. in the end. And he's £60 million isn't he so the big pressure on him to, to 
come in straight away and um, Olivier Giroud is now the best striker who is decent but is he top class I'm not sure Michi Bashuai who's been out on loan hasn't he and is kind of flattered to receive in there um, and Sammy Abraham who spent last season in the championship albeit had, had a great season so um, yeah I agree with Dan Liverpool are straight ahead in virtually every department so Liverpool have just got to make sure that they uh, turn up tomorrow and, and hopefully be lifting the Super Cup Is Giroud fit? Is he available? Because he did he, Was he on the bench? I can't, I can't remember him being on the bench Because um, he, he tends to have a good game against Liverpool yeah, he always tends yeah. to score against mm. Liverpool If you play to his strengths he's, he's a good player isn't he but you need to get tricky nimble wingers in and around them and I don't know whether Chelsea have got that personnel at the moment it's it's a really big task that uh, Frank Lampard's got in his hands Now you mentioned before about some people regard that the Community Shield is the same as the Super Cup it's basically a glorified friendly do you agree with that though? because I, I'd say the Super Cup is far more important than just, just, yeah, it's just far more important than the Community Shield and there's the fact that it's a trophy and if Liverpool actually want to yeah. be a club that keeps on you know, winning things there's a chance straight away OK, it's a reward for last season because they won the Champions League and you know, and they're playing against the Chelsea team who we all agree aren't as good as they were three months ago. So it's an opportunity here, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Uh, I think, I think it's, the Super Cup might be viewed as bigger than the Community Shield just purely because it's, it's a European-based um, trophy, isn't it? It's, it's not, nothing huge, it's just kind of... Do you think people are perhaps understating it because Liverpool are playing Chelsea? Like if they've been playing, I don't know, you know... By Leverkusen or Borussia Dortmund or Sevilla or somebody like that, that they'd be more like, yeah, yeah, it'd be more of a, a game where Liverpool can judge themselves against another team as opposed to Chelsea, who they're going to play at least two more times this season. It's it's also got no romance because of that. Mm. It doesn't feel like a proper European yeah. tie. If you were playing against Champions League um, finals, a bit like that as well, wasn't it? If you if you're playing against PSV or you were playing against one of the Milan teams or something like that, it would feel like a real sort of. Marker, but also it'd be a fixture that has a story to it. Whereas Liverpool against Chelsea is is or has become so sort of work a day over the last fifteen years, and it's, it's got fifty games exactly. Um, that it means it, it it does mean that little bit less. I think I imagine that the sort of appetite to watch the game outside of Liverpool and Chelsea supporters is probably a little bit less than what a normal Super Cup would be because it might just to them feel a bit like watching the Barclays Asia Trophy or whatever it is in Hong Kong um, but I, I, I totally agree with what you were saying before that even even going into the Community Shield game I was very much of the view that that was a friendly and it would have been really nice to win but as soon as the as soon as the winning penalty went in from Gabriel Jesus I just switched off to it it was fine it would have been better to win obviously but it didn't really matter this one I'll be absolutely gutted if Liverpool don't win this I view it as a genuine European trophy the club counts it they put it in all their sort yeah. of um, statistics around how many trophies the club has won and I always sort of try and watch it, even if Liverpool aren't in it. So I've watched the ones where Real were playing Atletico. I remember Atletico beating Chelsea under Simeone a few years back as well. California, yeah. Um, so it's 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 a proper fixture to me. That's like the marker that the season like really has started because yeah. not only is Premier League football back, but European football is back as well, and there's a trophy already. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's something that I really really hope Liverpool win. It's not something that I've seen them playing before as well. So I'm excited about that. The ground um, seems really really good. The location of it is right on the Bosphorus. Uh, only built a couple of. Years years ago I think for Besiktas so I, I think it's aside from the fact that it, it is an English team that we're playing it's it's pretty much perfectly set up really one I mean, thing sorry one thing I, I did used to like about the Super Cup was the fact that it was always a Friday night and it was always in Monaco so it, and it was before the season started 
now obviously with, with the way that the fixtures are rearranged and so on we've got it on a Wednesday in Istanbul but that, that's my memories of the Super Cup of being you know that Friday night in, in the Stade Louis 2 or whatever the stadium is called well I can remember when Liverpool were just didn't even bother entering it even when they won I think that, well I can't remember 1981 but they, they were in it then and they never played it that season then in 1984-5 because they won the Euro, European Cup in 1984 they played Juventus and it was supposed to be over two legs and in the end they just like bunged it bung it in in like February and went we'll just play it in Italy and they got beat and nobody ever remembers games like that but it has come on a little bit since then certainly since it was at Monaco and it's been on tour hasn't it for quite a few years now because where was it last year was it Prague or Estonia last it's, year it's it was in Tallinn yeah it's been around was it in Dubai one year or, or have I made that up I don't think it's ever been out to Europe it's been in Prague it might have been in Baku yeah they last a lot of things in Baku in these days yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine why that is uh, but because it's Chelsea, is there a, a fear that people will basically, if say they were playing Inter Milan, people say that's a one-off, but people will start reading things into this game in terms of the Premier League campaign? Because mm. Liverpool, within three games, would have played two of the, and they got another one coming up in a few weeks in Arsenal. So by the end of August, they'd have played in various competitions three of the other top six. I'm not really having that there's a top six anymore, though. I think okay, last weekend. Still, I know. I know it's still a top six. It's still a top six. It is in terms of the size terms of, terms of the clubs yeah. and where they finished last yeah. year. It is. It will be in a top four now. No, I think it's a top two, and then and then Tottenham sort of on their own. Like but it's still like a really good team, but not quite as good as the other two. They're, they're the better teams, though, aren't they? There is, the, the, yes, there is there's, still, there's still the fixtures that you look for and everything. But I don't think that I don't think you read an awful lot from Liverpool playing Chelsea in the way that you did from Liverpool playing Man City, and especially in the second half. So if Liverpool can worry Man City that much, even if they don't end up actually winning the game, they, they merited two in, in, in terms of the chances that they made and everything. That is something that when we next play them, I, I personally will remember, I think Liverpool will remember, and I think City will have to account for in some way. They'll have to have some sort of a plan, or at least a sort of psychological approach to dealing with that kind of thing. I don't expect that when Liverpool play Chelsea this season, they worry an awful lot about Chelsea, because I think they know, as we were saying before, they're all over the pitch they are better and if they just play their game to the level that they can they'll be absolutely fine whereas you can play brilliantly against Man City and still get beat because they are also yeah. brilliant and they've got a way of playing that can get in between uh, Liverpool's centre-backs and full-backs and exploit a bit of space there and even if you play really well and your full-backs are really good going forward you can just get done on the counter a few times and you might even see three or four by not playing that badly that's not going to happen against any of Chelsea, Arsenal and United because they're just not good enough to do it anymore so I think as much as we all still when the fixtures come out go okay and there's when we go to Stamford Bridge and there's when we go to Old Trafford and we sort of like hang our hats on those kinds of things I think beyond playing City and Tottenham I don't think the management view for example the two games against Chelsea too much differently to the two games against Leicester or too differently to the two games against West Ham and also that, that that's justified in terms of last season as well in terms of the results they got against these teams so they got one draw against those sides but also beat them once I think that Partly because Liverpool are so brilliant, but partly because the sort of dichotomy of the league means that there's now a split in that. And even if you wanted to say, well, it's a top three and then a sort of secondary three and count Tottenham alongside City and Liverpool, I think to them, turning up and playing the game tactically correctly is enough without having to really think about, well, what are we going to do for Chelsea at home? I don't think it's on the same level as, as those other two sides. Do Chelsea then have the match winners to turn this game away from Liverpool? You don't have too many of them if you do. Um, William, is he one? Does he even play? 
he wasn't in the squad no. the other day. I don't know whether it's because of an injury or there's he maybe still. But there's maybe still talk that he might be leaving anyway. Barcelona have been I mean, sniffing for a yeah. while. Pe- Pedro's still got plenty of class about him, hasn't he? Even though he's whatever age he's now, 30, 30 upwards. 32, is he? Yeah, he's still a quality player, so he can cause cause problems, but. I'm not too sure of any of Van Dijk and Joe Gomez are going to be too worried about coming up against someone like Tammy Abraham no disrespect to him but obviously he was playing in the, in the second tier last year um, even at the back they, you know, they've lost David Luiz haven't exactly, they exactly who and can Kent, be a Kent bit of a come in and, and yeah. he looked a bit shaky at Old Trafford Christensen was awful the yeah, other day Emerson Palmieri was playing left back um, it's basically the League Cup team from last it year was, isn't yeah, it yeah yeah um, so everybody looked, <laughs> <laughs> everybody looked, but they beat Liverpool's League Cup team. <laughs> it just seems to be um, issues for Frank Frank Lampard to solve and gaps to plug. And obviously, with them being unable to um, to buy anyone, even if they could, they're still they've been cutting the cloth accordingly for years now, haven't they, Chelsea? So it's um, it's going to be very difficult for them at a time when Liverpool are very stable. <coughs> um, they've got a plan, a structure, and um, as as Dan says, I think Liverpool won't be too concerned about who's in front of them and, and it's a great opportunity to go and win a cup and, and just carry on that winning you know the feeling of winning that like they got when they lifted the Champions League what, uh, two and a half months ago The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo A very brief look back then because I know the, the other lads have already done a podcast on what happened on Friday against Norwich but we haven't had a chance to talk about it um, what was your overall feeling of the game it was a very odd game I mean to be 4-0 up at half time mm. the game's done there and then but Personally, I thought Norwich were a bit unlucky to be four 0 down because they they went for it, yeah. and the lack of defensive experience and now basically is what did for them because some of the goals Liverpool scored were just you know a couple of them were good but a couple of them defensively weren't very good. Yeah. But Liverpool just seemed a bit slack all the way through the game. I thought not so much in defence but midfield positioning um, wasn't quite there. I, I don't think maybe it was a bit of a naivety on Daniel Fark's point to come to Anfield and just try and play the way there's not a team played last season. The way, the way they did play I think they'll cause a few teams problems Marco Stieperman had a couple of chances which perhaps he should have done better with um, and they did play well to be fair but I thought Liverpool were excellent going forward mm. defensively they, they coughed up a few chances which you wouldn't normally expect and on, a, on another day Norwich might have scored or maybe someone with a bit more quality with, with the final ball might have scored but attacking wise I thought Liverpool were excellent I thought they didn't show any signs of ring rust uh, particularly Firmino and Salah um, for the second goal, that was just a lovely little cushion ball into Salah to stick it away with uh, with minimal fuss. Um, Van Dijk getting on the score sheets. Going forward, they looked excellent, but yeah, defensively, there maybe one or two uh, concerns with Jurgen Klopp. But I think um, over the next few weeks, that will iron itself out and Liverpool will have no problems defensively long term. I asked this question on Twitter and got a, a bit of an interesting response 50 50 down the middle. Are you in any way worried about Trent Alexander Arnold's ball defensively? And I don't just mean somebody said, but they've only played one game. Well, I'm, you know, I went to a lot of the games, well, all of the games this summer, mm. and nearly all of the goals that Liverpool conceded were down that wing. And it wasn't just down to him, obviously, but he was a bit more exposed than he normally would be. And opposing teams you know, fed onto that. And that's where Norwich creates an awful lot of their chances in the first half, down that wing. Are, we, are you worried that? That he's, he's, he's hit that kind of plateau that perhaps that's you know got to bear in mind he's still only 20 and he's played in two Champions League finals mm. and a World Cup no I don't think I'm worried about him on a personal level I think any team that, that comes away into Liverpool now has to pick somewhere where they think they can make a goal and they look at the left hand side of the defence and see Andy Robertson and Virgil van Dijk and go that's not the way <laughs> Um, and the right centre back at the minute is Gomez towards the end of last season it was Matip that feels like there's a little bit of change in there it feels like 
if if that's a position that's not necessarily the most settled, you'd go, all right, then that's side. Partly because it's just not Van Dijk, and partly because it's a bit of chopping and changing. And I think that means that the defenders down there are just attacked more. So a lot of the stuff that was happening with Alexander-Arnold, I don't think he could have necessarily done an awful lot about it because Norwich are putting two players on that side of the pitch. So one of them's got the ball, one of them plays it in behind him. You can't you can't be marking one who's got the football is that, is that and also following the Well, that's what I was going to say. That's up to either his teammates individually or the system as a whole needs to account for that because I think generally the left forward whether it's obviously usually Mane or Origi the other night offers a fair bit more going back than what Salah does generally and that's alright because you want Salah high up the pitch so that when Liverpool break they can score a goal that happened the other night but it does mean that on occasion um, down our right hand side there is an awful lot of space for people to try and exploit but you're always going to have a weakness on the pitch you can't man every single area in an attacking and defensive situation at every moment so I think it's just something that they almost have to cop for it might be a case of saying well whoever the right of the th- three central midfielders fielders is always has that in the back of the mind so if you ask Henderson to play that position for example you just say listen can you have a bit more of an eye on Alexander and I'll be behind you if there's a spare runner coming in from behind Fabinho make sure that you're tracking it it could also be one ultimate it depends entirely on the personnel it might be a job for Fabinho to shuttle across as well but I think it's more based on, on the system than his individual performances because I don't think it's like he's getting beaten in one-on-ones by attackers or anything like that I don't think people are running past him it's more that through balls are getting played and he, he can't be dropping in because if he drops in he's suddenly playing everybody in the world on side and then everyone can run off them and they'll score goals I think what was crucial is that he made quite a few decent recoveries so did Joe Gomez the other night and the fact that they've both got pace in abundance means that even if they almost sacrifice that even if they say you know what we're going to play in a certain way that means we might be a little bit open at right back sometimes but we're going to back our defenders to be quicker than the forwards and they can get back there and either make a sliding tackle or beat them to the ball like we saw the incredible one in Geneva from Joe Gomez where he just suddenly put on the afterburners and beat I think it was the pie to the football I think they just sort of have to back themselves like that there's always going to be some sort of weakness in any team where you can be not got out on a regular basis and it probably was a little bit too much against Norwich but there'll be some sort of area where the opposition thinks they can exploit you and as long as you think that you've got the necessary tool to react to it I think you're going to be alright and to be fair Norwich didn't really make a a proper genuine they should have scored that one chance by doing that either the goal that they actually did score came down the left and didn't really feel like much of a ploy from them it just sort of happened and maybe that's because Robertson and Van Dijk not necessarily switch off but they're allowed to be a little bit complacent because not much is coming down that side for the preceding what 65 minutes or whatever it was so in in reality although it it looked like they were getting a bit of joy from it there was no moment where you thought wow they absolutely should have scored that goal which to me probably means that the manager's quite happy for that to happen I think with, with Trent Alexander-Arnold, he was, he was part of the best defence in the Premier League last year, wasn't he? Was it, what was it, 21 clean 21, sheets yeah. and 22 goals conceded? Yeah. He's played a lot of football, hasn't he, for, for someone who doesn't turn 21 until October, I think it is. Um, played more games at this age than Steven Gerrard and Jamie Carragher, who played over 700 games each. Um, and he, he played in the, Europa, uh, the UEFA Nations League for England, a couple of games for them. Um, so... I think from you're talking from last season, he's had what um, eleven months, twelve months of, of competitive football. He only had um, like two or three weeks off, didn't he? Yeah. After the World Cup, so it wasn't much. Yeah, so he, he hasn't had a lot of time off for someone so young playing at, at such high intensity. So obviously, expected <coughs> to get up and down and supply the assist and the creativity, which he does superbly. He chipped in with another assist on Friday, and he got up and running with that great ball for Origi. So I think. 
Uh, to answer your question, long term, I wouldn't be overly concerned about his form at the moment. Last season, Jurgen Klopp made a point, but certainly from his team selections, that his midfield, because he had that many options, it was very much horses for courses. But in defence, it was fairly settled. When Gomez got injured, Matip came came in, and then it continued throughout the, the rest of the season. This time, though, do you get the impression maybe that he may switch Gomez and Matip more, simply because he's got two players there who he knows can do the job? And the thing about Gomez as well, and we'll come to the team selection in a minute, is that he's played more minutes in the last two games over the course yeah. of five days than the rest of the eight, last eight, previous eight months sorry, put together because he was out injured. He didn't actually feature that much towards the end of that season. So it's a matter of looking after him. But will it long-term be Gomez at centre-back or will it be the pair of them fighting it out and Jurgen Klopp going, right, I'm going to select X or Y, depending on the opposition? See, I would have thought it would have been a case of chopping and changing just because of how good Matip has been since the turn of the year but uh, the fact that Gomez has started the Community Shield and the, the Norwich game is, is a bit of a neon sign that he sees his long term defensive pairing as, as Gomez and Van Dijk um, I think it's maybe a little bit harsh on Matip um, I was quite critical of him actually when before the Bayern Munich game when, when he was coming in I was a little bit worried that Liverpool's fourth choice centre back was being relied upon for the last 16 Champions League game against Bayern Munich and he hasn't put a foot wrong. He's, he's made me look a mug, um, and he's, he's been great. So, I think I think he can count himself a little bit unlucky, to be honest. But by the looks of it, it looks as though it is Gomez and, and Van Dijk as, as the uh, the pairing for the foreseeable. Now, before we come to the team team, then we'll talk about Dejan Lovren because there's been a tale come out this week that Liverpool was it willing to accept 15 million euros plus five million in in add-ons yeah, for yeah. him, and, and there's some interest from Italy, which kind of <laughs> suggests that. He may go if Liverpool are open to it. Are you a bit surprised by that? Very, very, yeah. Um, we were made aware of the, the interest uh, from Milan back in June, I think. Um, their new sporting director, whose name escapes me. Um, can't think of his name. One of them. I, I know, it, yeah. I know it's, it's Ricky something. Anyway. Um, he, Ricky he, Lambert? No, yeah, could be, yeah. Um, no, he was keen on, on Lovren when he was at Roma. Uh, and then he, he moved to Milan and, and he was still keen on him. It looks as though it's... Milan and Roma who were, who were registering their interest and it, it is a strange one that we, we heard yesterday from Conor Dunn that Liverpool are willing to accept 20 million euros for alright he's four choice centre back but Liverpool had four centre backs last season and, and they still had to play Fabinho at Brighton and Keanu Hoover at, at Wolves alongside Fabinho um, they've obviously brought in Seth Vandenberg and they've got high hopes for Keanu Hoover but um, I just think it's shooting themselves in the foot a bit by allowing a uh, such an experienced defender who contested the World Cup 13 months ago to, to leave um, he will get game time Liverpool are going to need everyone across the season so if you let him go it, it would uh, it would be a strange one to me yeah. do you agree with that? do you feel or do you think at 30 I think he's 30 now yeah. isn't he? mm-hmm. it's time for Lovren who barely featured since he played in the Champions League final for Liverpool mm-hmm. was it 14-15 months ago now he's hardly had a game he's only going to play if one of those other three are injured Jurgen Klopp's obviously brought in uh, Hoover and Vandenberg and you know, as we've seen with Gomez he's quite happy to give you the chance certainly with Trent as well mm. do you think he thinks you know, 15, 20 million euros good money for somebody of that age and who hasn't barely played football for the past 12 months I, I don't really think it's about the money but I'm, I'm, I'm not really surprised by it I've sort of been expecting this for a while I just would have thought that maybe it's happened before our window closed um, because the way that the manager sells players generally is by saying to them Listen, I'd quite happily keep you knocking about. You might not play that much, but you're a decent figure in the dressing room. You'll get a few games, maybe not very many, but if you get an offer and really want to go, 
them come and we'll have a chat that about it, which is what happened with Clavan last year. Sure, I think it's what happens with Minulay this yeah, yeah. time, Klein January, as well. Yeah. Um, I think Sturridge, when he goes on loan to West Brom, is probably similar yeah. as well. That, to me, seems to be the only time where he's actually really quite willing to sell footballers that are players this season that I think some supporters would have happily seen move on, but the manager doesn't even consider it because they're his lads that he always talks about and it's 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 about having them for a significant period of time and getting the best out of them as people as well as footballers so I think that what will have happened is they'll have had a chat with Lovren at the beginning of the summer and said listen we'll happily let you stay here for at least one more year we think you're good enough but you probably are fourth choice at this stage you won't play that much football so if you get an offer you come and tell us and we'll talk about it so I think that it's down to him now if he says oh, I've got this offer from Roma, I can go and live in the Italian capital, or I've got this offer from AC Milan, I can go and play for them, I'll be first choice, it'll you know, be my final sort of big contract in my career, it'll sort my family out for the rest of our days, I'd really like to go and play there. Then I think that's something that the manager would say, you know what, thank you very much for these years, thank you for Dorman, thank you for the KF final, thank you for being here this season, even though you didn't play very much, on you go, that's all right by me. It does then leave them with only three senior centre-halves and I think when, before Van Dijk came in, that was the situation as well, wasn't it? It was Lovren, Matip and Clavan and it felt like a much bigger issue then. Not just because the quality wasn't there, but because all of them had consistent niggles. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the difference now for me is that obviously anything can happen and we saw that with the goalkeeper on Friday night, but you can't, you can't legislate for your best players getting long-term injuries because otherwise you'll just end up stockpiling about 40 players, the majority of whom never play. Um, so I think he just has to back Van Dyke's general fitness record throughout his career. I know he had the long one at Southampton um, just before he came, but aside from that, he's got a really good record. Um, Gomez has been a little bit iffy, but the one from last season is an impact injury, yeah, so it's a bit of an outlier anyway. Yeah. Um, Matip's maybe still a, a little bit of a concern in that regard, but of all of them, Lovren is the one that misses the most football. The amount of times last season where we were all sort of expecting him to be back and then someone would ask him in a press conference and he'd be like, oh no, no, still still a few weeks for Deja and all. He gets like all the niggly ones, like, like concussion and stuff like exactly, that. Exactly, or illness, a there's, a, there's a lot of he's illness. And, well, yeah. you know, he, he hasn't played 10 consecutive games since he signed yeah. for Liverpool in 2014. So if we're, if we're looking at reliability of the centre-halves, and I get that that's an issue because it's, it's the position most on the pitch, aside from goalkeeper, where you want rhythm, where you want people who know what the man alongside him is going to be doing, yeah. then losing Lovren actually doesn't really change that that much and I think we forget that although although they are 17 Seth Vandenberg played half a season in the Dutch top flight last season and I know that that's a big difference playing for PC Zvola and the Eredivisie to coming and playing for Liverpool but it's, it's first team football at least he's not as much of a kid as what we probably perceive because we've never heard of him before this July so they won't be letting Lovren go if they think it's an issue if they thought we, there's no way on earth that we can be playing Haver or um, Vandenberg there if they let Lovren go they're confident with either of those lads coming in and playing a League Cup game an FA Cup game or maybe having to do say two league games in a row or something like that or the fourth seed in the Champions League group at home <coughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sort of alright with it I really really like him I th- I th- people often ask questions like oh if Liverpool were going to win the European Cup final who would you want to score the winner or if there was a player that you could pick to score the winning goal for Liverpool to win the league title who would you want and I quite often say Dejan Lovren just because I think he's, he's just had the most berserk career at Liverpool where he does that first season and no one wants to see him play football ever again and then he has all these big moments so he has Dortmund he scored a couple of brilliant goals as well like the Newcastle one last season which is a really good piece of technique and he's, he ended up last season where he, where he was saying about being um, the, one of the best centre-halves in world football yeah, only yeah. six months after being taken off 
a, um, after half an hour against Tottenham at Wembley in what was probably the worst individual performance I've ever seen from a Liverpool player. And I'm going... <laughs> That's a bit of a big shout. I'm going, you know what, you're right. You, pro- you probably are one of the best defenders in the world and there was quite a bit of mockery online for that, but he was right. He, play- he played in a World Cup final and, and for my money, probably been in the team of that tournament. He was on merit playing for Liverpool in the Champions League final and might have been our best player yeah, on the he night. Was, yeah, he was, yeah. So I, th- I think he... he, he got his stock extremely high last year and whatever that sort of weird injury was that he came back from the World Cup has, has done for him a bit because if he hadn't come back with that he would have started the he season he already, probably he already had that injury though, didn't he the he stomach just played was playing through he, the he pain yeah. through to, that's why probably that's partly why Liverpool put so much faith in him in that mm. last season because he they knew what he'd been through and they didn't want to go like right see you now mm-hmm. after you've just you know he's missed a lot of football helping them out towards yeah. the end of the season and realising his dream with Croatia in the World Cup why wouldn't you if you got the chance you'd do that wouldn't you yeah right. I, th- I think I think a, a big a big um, strength of Klopp is to keep everyone happy when players aren't playing he still manages to find a way where they're not publicly rocking the boat um, he's always willing to listen to the players wants and needs a little bit more than some managers um, and I think that might be the case with Lovren. It's certainly been the case with Lucas Levin, Sam Mignolet, Daniel Sturridge and, and Nathaniel Klein. But I think on this one he should probably just hold tight until January at the very least and, and realise that Liverpool are going to be knee-deep in the title chase and they're going to need every fit and available player they've got. Right, let's do the team selection and let's find out how seriously you are taking this uh, competition, the Super Cup against Chelsea on Wednesday here in Istanbul at Vodafone Park, home of Besiktas and Loris Karius, obviously. Uh, so it's Adriano Andy Lonergan, isn't it? Well, that's the other thing. Obviously, Lonergan signed a, um, a deal to the end of the season. We're obviously, I think we're expecting to be on the bench. So Adrian starts. We all yeah. agree with that. Now, the defence. Are we going first choice or are we putting Matip in for Gomez? Are we putting Milner in for Robertson? What are we doing? I think Matip plays with Van Dijk. There's no way Gomez is playing. No chance. Do you not think Gomez might be right back? No, he's, he's played too much football. Mm. He, he, he's... Yeah. He'll come on at some point, but I don't think he'll play yeah. at the start. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd have Trent Alexander-Arnold, Andy Robertson, and yeah, uh, Matip and, and Van Dijk. I might play Milner at right back. Right back? Yeah. Uh, I am doing the same back four as against Norwich. Um, they all look fresh. There's not too long to the international break. It's the only time that'll play midweek before then. I'm fine with just sort of doing our best to get a bit of rhythm and win every game between now and then. Midfield then? I want to see Naby Keita start. Throw him in. So who's not playing? Juan Elden. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Fabinho and Henderson. Yeah. Uh, I was going to go with Juan but I, I'm alright with that. I'm, I'm alright with going with Kater over him. It just feels more fun, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah. it's it's it's, it's, I mean, yeah. it's it's a game that obviously is a final, and it might be slightly cagey at the beginning. But wouldn't it be nice to just totally dominate them and have a runner from midfield a bit more? Is Kante still injured? He's, on, he's not injured but he's not fit, match fit yeah. sort of thing so there's a chance that he doesn't start but he did get half an hour at Old Trafford and the front three then are, is Sadio Mane going to be back are they going to rotate is Shaqiri going to play there's a big game the thing is there's a big game of Southampton on Saturday I think I think Origi will play I think Mane's on the bench again mm. and then I think Shalom and Firmino will start yeah I agree with that yeah I'll do the same three as well and score prediction don't say something like 10 mil <laughs> just because Christian's not here he normally say something ridiculous like that 2-0 mm, Liverpool I'm going to go with 3-1 I think Chelsea might score uh, I'm having 2-0 as well I, I find it hard to imagine unless she do uh, start yeah, yeah. and does what he does yeah. against Liverpool I find it hard to see a way of them scoring really well that should do us I mean if you want to follow us on Twitter I'm at Ian Doyle Sport Ghost at your... PT Ghost Dan. at underscore Dan underscore Austin 
That's just far so too that's common so, a name, unfortunately. That's so awkward. Isn't it? <laughs> I know. Can't you, you change it? If I want like seven underscores in the middle or something like that, <laughs> or a load of numbers at the end. Well, that's not wrong with that. Uh, and that should do us. Join us again later this week from Istanbul, where we'll be discussing more about this game. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.